Welcome to episode 17 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today we're going to continue our series on women of the Bible. I love this topic and I'm excited today to talk about Rahab. So she was a Canaanite woman who not only helped Israel, but she also became a believer and her faith is mentioned not once but twice in the New Testament, which is incredible because not a lot of people get mentioned, get shout outs in the New Testament. So we better uh, pay attention to what she did and why her faith is mentioned. All right, let's dig in. Hey, Millennial, welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what he has to say through studying his words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Let's begin with some prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you meet with us, that you want to include women in the Bible. Thank you that you just elevate Rahab's role and that you can show us so much about what it means to have faith in you, even as a new believer, even as someone who traditionally was not elevated by society. God, you use everybody and you bring people to faith in incredible ways that are beyond our ability to comprehend. And I pray that today you would open our eyes to your message. I pray that you would speak through me and that you would speak to the hearts of anyone listening. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before we dig into Rahab's story, we got to have a little context as usual. So during Rahab's story, which occurs in the book of Joshua, this is the first book after the first big five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So Joshua's the next book after that. And Joshua's story and the book of Joshua begins after the death of Moses. So Moses had been leading the tribes of Israel for a long time. He had led them out of Egypt where they had been under slavery. God had used Moses as a leader for the people and God had rescued the Israelites from slavery. And then they were wandering around the wilderness for 40 years and God had been providing for them and intervening in very miraculous ways that are incredible to read about. He had given them laws to live by and he'd given them the ways that they could live a righteous life and live in connection with God, atone temporarily for their sins using a sacrificial method where it was mostly animal sacrifice, but they also sacrificed other things. All of that is stuff that we could dig into for sure, but we're focused on Rahab. So let me just focus on kind of the context you need for that. Joshua is now in charge of the tribes of Israel and God had already done so many miraculous things for the Israelites that his fame had spread throughout the promised land that he had promised to their forefather, which was Abraham. So many generations ago, God had promised Abraham that he would give them this land and that they would live there. So God is fulfilling that promise beginning with Joshua. 
God's fame and what he had done had spread, and so the people living in this land were already scared of the Israelites. And specifically, we're going to focus on the city of Jericho because that's where Rahab lived. So Jericho was completely surrounded by a wall, and Joshua knew that because God had told him it was time to start moving into these lands and conquering the people there. And so Joshua, he sends two spies in to get a lay of the land, and they end up meeting Rahab. There is no other context specifically for Rahab than what I'm going to read to you. Now, after the spies leave Rahab's house, Israel eventually is going to march around the walls of Jericho for a full week. And God is, through very supernatural ways, and this is very summarized, he's going to cause the walls to fall down and Jericho is conquered by the Israelites. So Rahab is living in Jericho as a Canaanite woman. She is not an Israelite. All right, let's go ahead and read her story. It's in Joshua chapter two. I'm going to begin in verse one and read the entire chapter. Verse one, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. As soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she led them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all of your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. 
If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I will accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for that all the people in the land are terrified of us. That's the end of chapter two. We're now going to skip ahead a few chapters. I'll summarize them for you, but they don't feature Rahab at all, so that's why we're skipping them. Basically what happens is the Israelites cross the Jordan River, and God actually drives it up so that they can cross. So then they make a memorial to God's miracle of letting them cross the Jordan River. And then Joshua, after that, circumcises all of the men. Ouch. (laughs) Then Joshua meets the commander of the Lord's army. No big deal. It sounds like he's angelic or some kind of heavenly being. And then they march around Jericho with the Ark of the Covenant for six days, once per day. God had told them to do this. So the Ark of the Covenant was holy was the most holy object and they're marching around with trumpets and they're not fighting against the walls they're just literally marching around Jericho's walls once per day with the ark of the covenant in the book of Joshua what happens on the 7th day is in chapter 6 starting in verse 15 on the 7th day the israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before but this time they went around the town 7 times The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, for you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house, because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. All right, so as usual, we're going to talk about the attributes of Rahab and then also what we can learn about God through Rahab's story. But also as usual, I like to give a few interesting notes that came up when I was reading about it or when I was researching it. First, I do want to acknowledge that Rahab definitely tells a lie in this text. The Bible does not praise her for the lie. She is talking to the king of Jericho and she lies about where the spies are, about not knowing their identity, all these things. 
The Bible doesn't praise the lie, but it does actually praise her faith in hiding the men. Because really, this was treason against her entire people group. And because of this action of hiding these spies, not warning her people, she leads to their destruction. They all get massacred. She could have warned her people, and she didn't do that. She instead decided to follow the God of Israel. So I do want to acknowledge that. Also want to acknowledge that Rahab was definitely a prostitute. I found that a lot of people have actually tried to prove that she wasn't a prostitute, but really the text is very clear that she was, and it's mentioned several times. Almost every time Rahab is mentioned, it's mentioned that she's a prostitute. And that's not only in the Old Testament, but also she's referenced twice in the New Testament in Hebrews and James, where she's also recognized as a prostitute. And then she's also in the genealogies of Jesus. And that's not where she's mentioned as a prostitute. I'm just saying that's where else she's mentioned in the New Testament. Also, even though the spies stay with her, okay, there's no indication that she slept with them. I said this last week when I was talking about jail, and I'll say it again. The Bible doesn't really shy away from sex. The Bible does not shy away from talking about when someone has had sex with another person. It's usually said like pretty explicitly. So I don't think that there's indication that she slept with them. No sources that I was reading thinks that she was sleeping with them. We don't know exactly what that interaction was like. Maybe she went, reached out to them. Maybe they reached out to her. But all in all, the spies probably figured it was a pretty good place to hide. The last thing I want to mention before we talk about Rahab more in depth is this is hard to read stuff. Chapters like this in the Old Testament where we see death on such a broad scale brought about by God's people at God's direction is hard. And we should wrestle with that and we should struggle with that. And I invite you to do that. I think we don't hide those things. We don't ignore them. We don't pretend it's not part of the Old Testament. I think we have to sit with that hard reality and we have to sit with God in that discomfort in that hard to understand place. So I invite you to do that. I know I've said that many times, but I want to continue to say that because these stories in the Old Testament have so much death and we have got to acknowledge that. Moving on to Rahab. I have a few attributes I want to highlight about her. I think first and foremost, the thing that stands out most about Rahab is that she is a woman of incredible faith. She welcomes the spies from the enemy nation, literally the nation that she knows is going to kill her people. She welcomes them into her home. She protects them and she trusted that they would stay with their word because they were saying it in the Lord's name. And she believed she put her faith in putting a scarlet rope outside her home. She, she just had faith that this was the way that she was going to be saved. And her faith in God was not long established. She was a new believer in the Lord. Her faith in God, it was new, but she was strong in that faith. And this is evidenced not just by what happened in those chapters I just read. It's not just what happens in Joshua. It's also the fact that her faith is mentioned twice in the New Testament. And I want to share those passages with you. The first one is Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith. And in that chapter, a lot of big heroes of faith are mentioned. People that 
had so much faith in God that follow God. And they're all from the Old Testament. And Rahab is mentioned in that list of people. It talks about by faith, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, so-and-so did this. And then in verse 31, it says, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Some versions of this verse, like the King James Version, it says, receive the spies with peace. I really like that. In the midst of such a dangerous act, such a treasonous act, she had peace with the spies. She received them with peace, not with war in her heart, not with anger at what they were going to do to her people, but she received them with peace. And that enabled her to be saved from her city and all the things the Israelites were going to do to her city. And I also like thinking about how she must have had peace with her decision because she had displayed so much faith in the God of the Israelites and so looked forward to getting to know him more. And because she chose to have faith, Rahab was saved and she was used in incredible ways as well. And James chapter 2 is the other place in the New Testament where her faith is referenced. And James is discussing how faith without works is dead. I'm actually going to read a decent chunk of chapter 2 because I want to give you the full context of how Rahab is mentioned. So James chapter 2, beginning in verse 17, says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. All right, dang. I mean, James could have chosen so many people from the Old Testament, so many people that displayed amazing faith, and he chose a prostitute. He chose Rahab, a Canaanite. He chose a woman and names her after Abraham, who is so important. He is literally the father of the Israelites. He is the one that God made so many promises to. And Rahab is mentioned in the same passage as Abraham, as an example in the same way that Abraham is used. Just incredible. It says in the verse about her, verse 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God. Right with God. 
incredible by her actions. What was her action when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road? She not only had faith, but she acted on her faith. She kept those spies, those messengers safe, even at great personal risk to herself. The king himself knew that they had been with her. She That was a great personal risk to herself. She could have just said, hey, they're over there and I didn't know who they were. Don't hurt me. She didn't do that. She chose a different path. She chose to be right with God. She chose faith in God, even knowing as little as she did about faith in God. She chose that. And the only way she knew about God before meeting the spies was really because of all of the different things that her people had heard about God and what he was doing for his people. And this shows us in a very clear way how God's fame, when it spreads, it brings more people to him. It draws more people into faith. Second attribute of Rahab, she openly declared her faith in God. Even knowing as little as she did, she only heard rumors about God, basically. That's all she knew. And she must have been talking with the spies when they were with her and might have learned about God that way. But regardless, she knew very little. She didn't know all the passages about him and the whole history of the Israelites and everything he had done. She only knew some of it, a small part. But in Joshua 2, verse 10 and 11, she says, For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above, and the earth below. Brand new to God, brand new to faith. And she recognizes and declares the supremacy of God. Beautiful. Third attribute. She trusted in the Lord's protection and desired to learn more about him by living among his people. Well, she makes the men swear by God, and they do, that they will protect her from actually being destroyed with the rest of her people. They tell her exactly what to do with with the scarlet rope, and she trusts that she's going to be saved. She does not even try to escape on her own, even though she had plenty of time. As I mentioned before, there were several chapters in between the spies going to her and reporting back to Joshua and the actual attack on Jericho. She had lots of time to try to make an escape. She even had a window that went out beyond the walls. If she could sneak them out, I'm pretty sure she could sneak herself and her entire family out. But she doesn't do that. Why? She wanted to live with the Israelites. She wanted to know more about God. She wanted to live with them. And she got to as a result of her faith. Number four, she protected God's people and gave up everything to follow God. She gave up her entire people, her city, everything she had known, her profession, All of her friends, anyone who was not a family member, she gave them up to follow God. And she chose to protect those spies despite the great personal danger that was there to herself. God was worth that much to her. Learning more about him was worth that much to her. Number five, Rahab is actually in the genealogy of Jesus. You might have heard me reference this before. I want to expand on that. We don't know much about her after this. We don't. The chapters I read in Joshua are the only ones that talk about her. And in the New Testament, 
She's mentioned in the genealogies of Jesus, and she's mentioned in Hebrews and James, which I already read. Now I'll give you an example of the genealogy from Matthew 1 verse 5. It says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz is going to end up marrying Ruth. They have a son. And that genealogy leads to Jesus. And actually, Boaz, their son, was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. So she's also the great-grandmother, I believe, of King David. And then the great-great-whatever, <laughs> however many greats, uh, mother of Jesus. Incredible. So she gets to live among the Israelites. She actually gets married. And she is included. And not just included, but she is specifically named. It's pretty rare to see women named in the genealogies. And women were named in the genealogies of Jesus. And she's one of them. A former prostitute. All right, this brings us to what can we learn about God through Rahab's story? Because after all, it is all about God. First, and this is always my first point in this series, but God uses women and he uses the unlikely. Rahab is chosen probably because she had a heart for following God. And I don't know, I don't pretend to know all of God's reasons for choosing her, but just based on what I've seen in these passages, it seems to me that she's chosen because of her heart and because of her faith in him and because she was willing to act on that faith. Yes, she's a prostitute. Yes, she tells lies in the beginning there. Yes, she's a Canaanite. Yes, she's a woman. God uses her anyways. God loves to use the unlikely. And for people who have an issue with her because she's a prostitute, I have to just say one thing. Did Jesus not spend time with sinners and prostitutes? Did he not love people who were deep in sin? And did he not redeem them? Yes, he did. Secondly, God cares for the individual. Joshua makes sure she is protected from the massacre of Jericho. So much is going on. Can you imagine? They're marching around the walls, trying to make sure that they're actually in compliance with what God has told them to do. The walls come down and Joshua, he commands his people to go in and kill all the people living in Jericho. But he takes a moment to say, make sure you don't kill Rahab. And then not only that, but he then goes to the spies and says, hey, go find Rahab. Make sure she's okay. God cares for the individual. And not only is she cared for in such a specific and clear way in that passage, but then she gets to live among the Israelites for the rest of her life. She gets to know more about God, learn more about him, marry into his people, have children that will be in the genealogy of Jesus. Incredible. Third, God can save anyone. And I don't just mean because she's a prostitute. I actually really mean because she had no chance to learn about God besides rumors. She was not born into the Israelites. She did not have access to the prophets that God gave messages through. She did not get to live among the Israelite people at first. But look, she doesn't have a pristine record. She's a prostitute, right? And God saves her anyways. He can save anyone, even someone who has never heard of him. Even someone who has only heard rumors. There is no one beyond God's ability to save. And he can save you and he can save anyone else too. And when he chooses someone, I don't know why he chooses certain people, who he chooses, what the criteria are. I never, I will never know that. He saves people we are tempted to believe will never come to faith. 
this should give us hope. You might have given up on someone. That doesn't mean God did. Never stop praying and never stop having that faith, my friends. Number four, God values those who society scorns. In that genealogy of Jesus that I mentioned before, there are so many people, so many people who are incredibly unlikely to be chosen to be in the genealogy of Jesus, but God chooses them anyways. For example, Rahab is mentioned. She was a prostitute. There are many sinners that are mentioned in the genealogy. She was also a Canaanite. She wasn't an Israelite. She was a foreigner. There are all kinds of different people that are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Even King David, he murdered someone. Like, God can use anyone and he values the people that society would overlook and scorn and he uses them for important purposes, like bringing about the coming of his son who will ultimately redeem us all. When Jesus is born to the Virgin Mary, he comes and he lives the perfect life. He never sinned, but he associated with sinners. He loved them. He turned them back to faith. He told them to go and sin no more, but to believe in him. And he died for our sins and he conquered death. And Jesus continues to advocate for us today with the father. Jesus is with us and he has done so much for us. He has saved us literally from a very, very dark future. And he has enabled us to live in that right relationship with God that we are designed to live in. The way God chooses people is not the way the world chooses people. Okay, let's summarize. So attributes of Rahab. She was a woman of incredible faith. She openly declared her faith in God. She trusted in the Lord's protection and desired to learn more about him by living among his people. She protected God's people and gave up everything to follow God. And she is in the genealogy of Jesus. Then what can we learn about God through her story? God uses women and the unlikely. God cares for the individual. God can save anyone. And God values those society scorns. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you operate in a different way than we do. Thank you that the hierarchy that humans put into place socially, economically, in whatever way, you don't see humans that way. You care for the individual and you see our potential. You see our faith. You see what no one else can see. You see our hearts and our souls and our minds. You see all of us, God. And you love us so much. Thank you for designing us each individually. And thank you so much for using us in incredible ways. I pray that you would continue to call more and more people, especially the people listening, into your service, into following you and being used by you and living in beautiful relationship with you. We love you so much, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for joining. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.